Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of My South Africa Lab. As usual, again, I am your regular host, Jesse Said, welcoming you to the show. So in the last episode, I talked about social isolation and the fact that if you're isolated, especially in this current pandemic, you need to get the help in the fact that today when you ask someone how they are, the usual answer is good. A lot of time that's a lie. And even though you don't want to bombard complete strangers with with the details of what you're going through, the idea is that we've learned to lie to ourselves and therefore to lie to everyone around us, telling them we're okay when we're not. If you need help, go and get help. Talk to someone you think can help you. Anyone you think will be able to to help you or even point you in the right direction, please talk to them and get the help you need. Do not suffer in silence because as humans, we're not meant to do life alone. That's it. Now, socialize. When I talked about isolation, now my reference to isolation came from Thomas L. And how he talked about how Africa didn't develop early enough because of the geographic isolation to the rest of the world. I mean, there were no ideal harbors a lot of the uh, African coasts. This made it really hard for explorers and even rural Africans to get out. Um, so that contributed sort of towards the reason why the continent did not develop so much. Today, though, the isolation is not geographic. We can all agree you can travel pretty much anywhere. Well, at least before the pandemic. Currently, though, Africa doesn't face a geographic isolation problem. The isolation the continent faces, and even for that matter, a lot of Africans face, is one of ideological isolation. Okay, so if we take a look at countries like Japan, South Korea, Singapore, and even Malaysia, they had different ideas about what it meant to develop. So again, according to Thomas Sowell, um, a lot of the leaders who really achieved great results, who transformed the country, India thinking, didn't have the soft skills like the teachers, the lawyers, and people who could only argue on ideological basis. So most of the African leaders from most of the African leaders after independence or before, right before independence were skilled in soft-skilled ideological reasoning. So most of them were able to, to speak, most of, most of them were able to write, and most of them were able to, to get people behind them and enforce and, and change a particular situation. But when it came to the hardcore way of building things, having like real solid skills like engineering, management, and being able to facilitate a transition from, from let's say, pre-independence to independence and actually taking the country and building upon ideas and building upon the infrastructure of the country, these people had no clue what they were doing. And for me, that's one of the biggest reasons why the continent has not developed. So if you look at countries like Japan, South Korea, Singapore, these countries were not skilled in just talk and ideology. They took a look at themselves. They looked within themselves and went, well, how can we change things right now? So most of these countries were closed off. They were not open. Japan especially was not open to most countries. They did not trade with anyone. Not very much. They traded a little bit with China and a lot of the, a few of the countries around them. But mostly though, Japan was closed. And Japan only saw a transformation 
after they opened the country up to most of the world. And today, Japan does business with most countries in the world. So for them, though, it was technology. For Japan and Korea, technology became the backbone of their economy. And they learned because, remember, these countries were really poor. So they learned, they dedicated themselves, and they had a national agenda to develop themselves, to develop the technologies to become the powerhouse that they are today. Now, Singapore tackled business. Today, there's a lot of Singaporean companies all around the world, all, all around the globe, doing business from investment, from property to infrastructure and transportation there in all of it. And their countries and even their own citizens are able to, to invest in companies, they're able to start companies all around the world doing business. Remember, Singapore has virtually no natural resources and yet they lifted themselves out of poverty, they worked hard and they got to where they are today. Now, I've said Japan, Korea, Singapore. Now, you might be thinking, yeah, well, these are, these are the extreme examples. But if we take countries like, even a country like India, we know India for one thing now. It's IT. And they're completely dominating this industry because they've poured and dedicated themselves in this field and they're working towards that. Now, name one African country that's completely dominating in any particular area of anything that is even close to a marketable skills. It's what Zig Ziglar called the wandering generalities because right now there's not a single country in Africa that has a singular focus of pushing themselves in a particular direction to become the masses in that domain. So that's one of the problems. As we can see, we're completely isolated ideologically from the worst of the world. So for this podcast, my whole point is that Africa is completely isolated ideologically. Now, how is that? One, the education system is completely outdated. Today, you still have teachers standing in front of a class and explaining things to people. And, you know, those are the colonial ways of learning where you assume that the teacher was the one who knows things. Now, there, is some, there are some changes coming, but most of those changes are just a copy of what's happening in the worst. And that's a really big problem because we don't take into account what is going on locally to really understand how do people learn locally? What are the conditions around them? If you just simply copy a method from one particular region and plug it into yours, there's a high chance that it will fail. Healthcare. Well, healthcare is a big one. Now, I mean, I've been there. I've been to places where, where the hospitals, I mean, I can't even go into this because we know like even the politicians get out of the country, well, if they could, to get treatment elsewhere. When a simple problem would have been to fix your own health system so that you do not have to go out for even the mildest of situations. But right now, that's the reality. The healthcare system does not support the kind of people that needs to be seen. And there is no reform because people believe that you still need to go to some hospital, you still need to go and see a doctor, even for the smallest things. And it creates a lot of problems down the line, from the mildest of issue to the most urgent. Africa is also behind in technology. It took me getting to Australia to really understand how far back I was when it came to technology and, and how I thought about it. Now, it's not that those things were not available around me. They were, 
they weren't readily available to, because to me, that did not form part of my worldview. It was not in my frame of thinking that I need to get, I need to brush up on this technology. I need to brush up on that technology. I need to, I need to really work on this because most of my technological involvement had to do with my entertainment and enjoyment. So you got a camera, maybe you have a new television set and you learn how to program it. You have a new DVD and you learn how to program it. And for me, that was the, the depth of my technological understanding um, without really understanding that coding was something that I could learn. Computer programming was something that I could learn. And maybe I was in the wrong circles. And that's probably even part of the problem. What kind of circles are we in? Because Africa is really lacking behind in technology. And that is a really, really big problem. The other thing is how bad ideas were inherited. So like the over-reliance on God, which I spoke about before. And I got to say, I am a Christian, so I do believe in God. But there's something about over-reliance on God that creates a lot of poverty. Because what happens when a person thinks that whatever their situation is, is completely outside their control? Well, you fail to try or you refuse, simply refuse to try because why try? It's outside of your scope anyway. This bad behavior has been rewarded by the worst for a very long time. So what do we do? In some of the most laughable cases, I, I think I already mentioned this in the past, where, where one of the countries was reading the budget for the year. And in there, they had accounted for how much you were going to receive in aid as part of the national budget. I mean, this has got to be a joke. Because you understand that countries have different problems. We have different emergencies and things come up. And all of a sudden, the country hasn't got the money to do the things that it says it was going to do simply because it was over-relying on aid and the generosity from other countries to be able to move the country forward. That is not a way to run a country. Now, there's millions, there's probably thousands of bad behaviors that create different systems of thinking that builds upon itself to create its own different system. So if you think that each year we receive $5 million from the UN, you would think every year we are going to receive $5 million from the UN or more. And if there comes a time where you don't get it, well, you simply go and beg other countries for it. Or you borrow from countries like China who are very unforgiving in coming after you for the money or taking something that belongs to the country. Today we see China's rise in Africa and there's a lot of bad stuff going on. There is some good going on, but China does not give, but China is not generous. So when we talk about generous countries, China would not be one of them. We've got to get that very clear. Anyway, this brings me to the end. For me though, for things to change, for Africans to change, we need to adopt a new mindset, which is what this podcast has always been about. Now we know from this that the continent is really, really ideologically separated because when you even look at things like elections, the norm is that there will be violence. The norm is that, you know, I still don't understand why when you look on your news feed during an election in Africa, there'll be thousands, hundreds of thousands of people showing up to support 
this so-called person who's going to become the president because he has some lofty ideas, which are lies, by the way, that he's going to completely transform you. He's going to change the circumstances. He's going to do this. He's going to feed the kids for free and he's going to send kids to school for free. All a lie. And somehow, somehow it's so believed that every four years it becomes a cycle that repeats itself and people still do not see it. The circumstances that people are in cannot change if people have the same mindset that created the problem in the first place. I think that's attributed to Albert Einstein, which I'm pretty sure he didn't say, according to other researchers, for Africans to change. It is the mindset. It is the ideological isolation that needs to change. Thank you so much for listening to Mindset Africa Lab. Why don't you follow us on social media platforms and engage with us and let's have a conversation about how we can move Africa forward. Peace.